Good morning, Collective Church. I'm really excited this morning because we're going to be sharing with you some stories of God's goodness. You know, we've taken these first few weeks of January just to stir up an active expectation in our hearts to see God move in our ordinary everyday moments, in our families, in our work, in our friendship, in our bodies, every aspect of our lives, because that's what He desires, to be active in every part of our lives. And I wanted to remind you of that picture I had at the beginning of the year of these houses of fire, these hearts being revived and these houses coming on fire. Uh, And then another house catches and another house catches. And I believe um, that can only be done in an atmosphere where we are in a place of awe and wonder. And I think that happens through two, in two ways. The first way, obviously, being in awe and wonder of this incredible salvation that we have in Jesus, where he has come and rescued us um, from what Ephesians talks about us being like uh, walking corpses. And in that place, he came and he gave us his gift of salvation and, and rescued us. And it says in the Passion Translation, and now look at you now. Uh, friends, you're brand new. And so that is that, that awe and wonder for our God starts in that place of our salvation. And the second place I believe uh, that awe and wonder can be, can be stirred up is through stories, through testimonies of His goodness. And, you know, the, the root w- Hebrew word for, for testimony means to repeat or to do it again. And so when we repeat these stories of what God has done, it's almost like taking a, a, a moment in time uh, where the God's new covenant promises has invaded this earth and brought about a miraculous um, event. And when we relay that, it carries with it the same covenant promises for it to be done again. Do it again, Lord. And so, friends, as we share these stories, they're not just information stories. They're not just stories that's, oh, that's nice. If I had to make up a testimony and I had to speak it out, um, it would carry with it absolutely no power. But when we tell the truth of what God has done, Um, And we testify to his goodness, to his miraculous power. It carries with it covenantal promises for that miracle to be repeated again. And so that's why I'm excited for us to tell some stories this morning. I wanted to just tell one um, before we get into the main story, uh, just from this book called The Happiest People on Earth. I've referred to it before. It's about Demos Shakarian, who founded the, the Full Gospel Men's Fellowship in the 50s. And it's a, basically, it's a, it's a bunch of men who got together and told their stories. And I just wanted to recount this one story. In 1955, in, in Minnesota, the establishment of this, um, this chapter, um, and this man, Henry Krauss, tells his story um, of how one day he was on his tractor, like he does regularly, going about his work, praying like he does regularly, And in that moment, God gave him a vision for a new kind of plow. Friends, skip to the end uh, today. It is a massive company um, that had a massive impact on on plowing equipment um, in in America and is is now global. Massive thing, just from a dream, right? So now this guy, Henry Krauss, is telling his story to um, this, this crowd of not very many people. And just as he's telling his story, I want to read here. It says, 
An electric energy had built up in the room. When Henry spoke, you could literally feel the spirit fall on a meeting. Three of the men from Minneapolis received the baptism sitting at their table without anyone laying hands on them or saying a single prayer. We were all gathered around them rejoicing when the waiter burst through the door from the kitchen. He calls them down to the basement where they thought this man was having a seizure or a fit. Turns out uh, that he, um, as as, uh, Demos says here, the man wasn't sick. He was quite simply what the old timers in the Armenian church called under conviction. Friends, one floor below, this man starts Uh, falls over under the power of the Spirit. He gets saved. He comes up. He didn't even know there was a prayer meeting upstairs. And he starts praising Jesus and just so thankful for for, for meeting Jesus. And friends, that's what I'm saying. When When a story gets spoken out, the Spirit is on that story. It's not about us doing anything. People got baptized in the Spirit. A guy a floor below um, that didn't even know there was a meeting, got baptized in the Spirit because the Spirit rides on the words of, of our testimonies. And so I trust that you're going to be encouraged today as you, um, as you hear the story of Gerard. He's going to recount his story of how he's uh, been healed from, um, from his heart attack last year and, and some other stories. So friends, I trust that it's going to encourage you and it's going to inspire you to start telling your story uh, and to share your story with us. So enjoy. Testimony time. So um, COVID was obviously a very tricky time for, for musicians. We moved to Morimole out of Johannesburg. And we just tried to be diligent with what God has given us in our hand. We recorded lots of worship sets for churches and, and worship sets just for worshiping. Um, and... Um, yeah, so we just tried to try to do what God was telling us to do. And closer to the end of 2020, through one of our ministry partners, we connected with a, a pastor from America called Jeff. And Jeff used one of our songs in his in his service. And he just loved it when we did live worship. So he asked us, what would our ministry uh, want? Like, what's our need? Um, desk-wise, he actually asked specifically um, to record with. And I told him, well, you get a four input thing, you get an eight input thing, and with all these, you can do this and this and this. And, and then you get this one that I was, I've been dreaming about for the last four years, that I can, with that one, I can basically do anything my mind can imagine. We can record next to a river, under a tree, uh, in, in a house. And then they sent the money over and we got that desk. And they also gave us other presents like um, a really good laptop and, so, and a mic and, and stuff like that. And they really, <clears throat> they equipped our ministry in you know, such a way that we can do our ministry the way that we have dreamed and imagined to do our ministry. In the time of COVID, <laughs> this happened. So when 2021 started, um, one of the things that we are doing that we couldn't have done before without these gifts that God has given us um, is the, the collective worship sets that you can hear as well, where I can, where we can now get everybody together in a room and record together. Uh, so it's just a great testimony of how God in one of the most difficult times in our life actually just came through and blessed us with more because we were diligent with the small things. Um, 
Yes, I hope this blesses you. Bye-bye. Good morning, Collective Guys. Uh, so it's just a quick testimony. Um, my Mac charger cable had sort of died on the end, and I was really shopping around for cables. And as you know, Mac products are quite expensive. They're like 1,800 Rand just for a charger. So I was shopping around, and then uh, this week I had a small job and worked with a, a client and friend, Jana, and I was chatting about it. And she said to me when we were driving back from a job, actually, that she had a a cable for me and yeah to cut a long story short i got a cable for nothing didn't have to spend a lot of money to buy or refurb the mac cable which is great because uh, money is obviously a little bit tight at the moment cool so yeah um and yeah i did ask for provision with that and it's cool how god came through and it was just uh, yeah it's, it's amazing when he comes through even in the little things like that um, it's awesome thanks guys so I want to briefly share my sister and brother-in-law's testimony. They live in Cape Town, and I chatted to Sue, my sister, yesterday, and they're very happy for me to share their story. It's a really amazing story of God's grace and God's goodness and just his miraculous healing power. So encouraging for us all, I think. So it was during December, our family Christmas celebrations when we got the news of Dion, my brother-in-law's very serious sickness. He was ill with COVID. And, I mean, it was a difficult time. At that stage, even testing was a problem. There were long queues. The hospitals were filled to capacity and overflowing. And so for the two and a half weeks that he was really so seriously ill, and my sister Susan was she was at home alone with him, nursing him. We were all really, really concerned for them. Um, and in Sue's words, her message, the words in her message are, Dion was very high risk because of the heart attack he had and the stains that he has in his heart. The doctor was concerned about clots and pneumonia. So that was the situation there. She was obviously with medical advice and some excellent medication, but no PPE, just masks, and really having to nurse him constantly. She had to measure the oxygen levels every now and then, like all the time, night and day. She had to check on him, try and get liquids in. She had to inject him twice a day. This nursing and care of him was absolutely constant, and so she couldn't sleep properly. She was exhausted. But the Lord was her strength during that time. And we were all praying. As a family, we prayed, kept lifting him up to the Lord. Their children in various parts of the world were praying. Friends, family, all over were praying for just a miraculous intervention of God, a miraculous healing for Dion, and obviously protection for Susan so that she didn't become sick. And God answered our prayers in the most amazing way. Dion recovered. He didn't even need extra oxygen during that time, which was a miracle in itself. And Sue never got sick. And today, a month later, I spoke to her yesterday, as I said, they are both well. They're able to take walks above the beach. <laughs> they live in that beautiful area of Bloberg, Cape Town, and they're just praising God for what he did. And so 
I would like to just end with the words from her message yesterday. She said, the scripture the Lord gave me was Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. And this was confirmed by three friends from all over who didn't know what I was going through. But God is all I can say. So thank you, friends, all of you who prayed. He certainly is a way maker. He's a miracle worker. Let's all be encouraged. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, friends. Rob asked me to share my testimony with you after my experience last year. And I trust that it encourages you and that you're blessed by it. Please excuse me reading as I've written my testimony down and prefer to read. Even though my memory has improved significantly after the trauma, it isn't quite what it was. As some of you may know, last year in May I had a massive heart attack. Uncharacteristic and literally five days after being given the all clear from a cardiologist after a routine checkup. Before I share the details, I do want to start off by saying God is good. He loves us deeply and his desire to connect with us and embrace us and restore us is so much more than we ever want in return. My healing experience has been multi-layered. Some layers happened concurrently, some overlapped, some layers building on the layer before. Each layer important and complete on its own. Part of my journey has taken me back to looking at what I call the original design. In the Genesis account, God gave man authority to have dominion and operate in the physical realm. The Bible says that God is spirit. And I believe that even though God is sovereign, because he is spirit, he requires us to operate in authority over the physical realm. I say this because in seeking an answer to my question, why God? Why did you allow this to happen to me? As I've picked up the events around what happened, even before I had the heart attack, God started prompting people to pray for me. And there was and they were speaking and declaring life. And that only after doing that did it bring a change in my circumstance. There's a difference in speaking in Jesus speaking life in Jesus' name and begging God to heal you in Jesus' name. From my experience, I find that sometimes we try and weight God down with prayers. And if there's enough prayers, it tips the scale, it moves his hand, and then he stretches it and heals us. But my experience has been that we've already been healed. We just need to learn to receive it. Days before I had the heart attack, God showed my mom in a type of vision that I had died. And she started praying against death and took authority over death and spoke life and thought no more of it. The day she saw the vision and the day she started praying was the same day I took a prescribed injection that possibly caused the blood clots as a listed side effects. Side effect of the therapy is possible blood clots, heart attacks and strokes. Another friend who we haven't connected with in ages, a few days prior felt the Lord impress upon her to pray for me out of the blue. She said she paced the garden praying. That day, both my sisters felt a heaviness over me and started praying for me in the evening before I had the heart attack. Even that evening, I was led to a quiet time of worship and found myself declaring life. 
and reminding myself about unfulfilled prophecies that the Lord had spoken over us. All this before the event had even happened. It says to me that God was deeply concerned and knew it wasn't my appointed time and moved people to pray and take authority in the physical realm, which was part of the original design. For time's sake, I won't go into the details, but on the 10th of May, around 10 p.m., I suffered a massive heart attack. The main artery, which supplies the major part of the heart, had what they call a chronic total blockage. We later found out they call this type of a heart attack the Widowmaker, because the artery carries fresh, oxygenated blood to the major part of the heart, and if this supply is cut off, the heart stops very fast. The heart muscle starts dying, where the medical term myocardial infarction comes from, and the body basically shuts down. In my case, a portion of the heart muscle had died as a result of the lack of blood and oxygen. During the initial onset of the heart attack, I had started feeling faint and broke out in a sweat and felt myself about to black out. Josh, our son, who had just turned one at the time, woke up crying in his cot uncharacteristically. It was that crying in the background that was the motivation that I needed to keep from blacking out, crawl to the kitchen and take an aspirin powder. Yvonne attended to Josh unaware of what was happening to me. She came out a few minutes later to find me sitting on the kitchen floor. I told her things were not good and I needed to get to a hospital. Just moving from the kitchen to the bedroom to dress stressed the heart and I told her to call an ambulance as I wouldn't make the move. In the short time it took her to call the ambulance and for them to arrive, I had an encounter with the Lord to, that even to this day my mind doesn't have the capacity to understand the experience. I was sitting on the floor leaning against the side of my bed, clutching my chest in excruciating pain and I knew this was my end. I felt as though I was in a fast-flowing river, surging towards a deep, thundering waterfall, and I knew the waterfall represented my end on this earth. In panic, fear, and dread set in. I whined, Lord, this is not fair. I complained, why are you allowing this to happen to me? And nothing changed all the time feeling myself clo surge closer to the waterfall. Yvonne walked into the room to tell me the ambulance was on its way and then started phoning people to pray. She left the room to open the gate for the ambulance. While she was gone, I thought, if this is my end, I might as well die reading my Bible. After all, what better way to go whilst reading your Bible? I opened my Bible app and read the last scripture that I had read earlier from John 7.37. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and as the scriptures says, out of his innermost belly will flow rivers of living water. That seemed appropriate. For a final reading, only the Holy Spirit can truly satisfy. In that moment, not once did I wish I had worked harder or closed another deal. Thinking back after the event, I saw myself sitting on the floor leaning against the bed, holding my chest with one hand and my Bible in the other. And yet I know as clear as a door serves as a demarcation from one, to the one room to the next, I extended my hand 
through whatever that demarcation is beyond this physical realm and touched what I can only describe as the very fringes of eternity. Time slowed down and ceased to be linear. I could see my thoughts being formed, if that even makes sense. I felt a flood of incomprehensible peace, and joy flooded my heart, which I have no words to describe. Sharing my experience takes much longer than I'm sure the time in which I experienced it. I saw the scripture John 10 verse 10 being formed and come to mind, which says, The thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Instinctively, I knew it wasn't my appointed time to die. The enemy had come to kill and steal and destroy. Technically, I wouldn't lose my life because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's those that remain behind that bear the brunt of the destruction of an untimely death. It's our family life that gets destroyed. It's my son's future that gets stolen. It's our dreams and hopes that never get fulfilled. And we never make the impact in this world that we were supposed to. It's the unfinished race. The things I never got to put my hands to do or build. In that moment, I felt the Lord say, Son, speak life. With those things, with that, I spoke three things. I, first, I said, Lord, I will live and not die. I haven't finished running my race. I will live and not die. Second was, Joshua is too young to grow up without a father. I am his father, and I will see him grow up. Not with a father figure, but I will be there as his father. And the third was, Yvonne is too young to be a widow, and we still have dreams to build. In that moment, I felt myself standing safely on the bank of the river and no longer in it surging towards the waterfall. The next thing I knew, the paramedic walked in and started taking my vitals. He declared I was having a major heart attack, hooked me up to the drips and all sorts and lifted me to the ambulance on the gurney. Whilst they were loading me into the ambulance, I said in my heart, Lord, I need to know I'm coming home. Yvonne was standing in the driveway with Josh in her arms, ready to follow us to the hospital. And Josh, seeing the ambulance at night with the red flashing lights, took the dummy out of his mouth, pointed to the ambulance, and said, Truck. <sighs> he then put the dummy back in his mouth. I knew then that I was coming home, and had great reason and motivation to fight for my health and continue building a future with my family. I don't remember all the technical and medical terms, but they basically assessed, sorry, they basically accessed the heart and arteries through the groin and had to vacuum the blood clots from the artery and inserted two stents. I was discharged four days later. In the days after I was discharged from the hospital, it was an emotional and mental roller coaster. I learned emotions are real, but they don't tell the whole truth. If you allow the reality of the emotions to dictate your state of being and mind, as opposed to the truth of the word of God, you've lost half the battle. As a Christian, the Lord has given us tools to take authority over our mind and emotions, especially when they seem to shout louder than the inner man. 
When we become children of God, as the Bible says, being born again, our spirits become alive to God. And it's our spirit that should lead through what the Word says. When I let my mind and emotions dictate my day based on how I felt, I noticed a regression in my progress and recovery and healing. After I was discharged, I struggled with disappointment and resentment at God. The enemy is a liar, and he will use and distort anything he can to feed that disappointment and resentment towards God. I was disappointed that the Lord had allowed this to happen to me, because it contrasts with his goodness. More so because I had prayed against heart trouble and heart attacks, because we have a history of heart attacks in, on my paternal side of the family. I had started taking statins to bring down my cholesterol. I was on a low inflammation diet, exercising more. My inflammation marker was low, meaning the chances of an artery rupturing due to inflammation and causing blood clots was very low. When they measured the narrowing of the arteries, it was less than 10% narrowing, which means my arteries weren't clogged up with plaque. I'd even been to see a cardiologist five days prior for my regular checkup, and he gave me the all clear and reduced my statin dose. In his opinion, I was not a candidate for a heart attack. I was low risk. In fact, the cardiologist who operated on me the day I was discharged said if I ever want to write a book, I should title it The Unlikely Guy Who Had a Heart Attack. The reality was I suffered a heart attack despite praying and breaking any family history and being responsible and taking measures to prevent it. I held that disappointment in my heart towards the Lord. It was only after I released the disappointment and allowed his love to flow in that we found out that the most likely cause was a prescribed therapy I had taken five days prior. Some of the risks being severe blood clots, heart attacks and strokes. The mind is a battleground. The victorious Christian life is based upon a renewed mind, which is another layer I had to work through. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and unto the obedience of Christ. Romans 12 verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians 4.23 says, renew the spirit of your mind. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, meditate on these things. There are so many other scriptures about renewing the mind, but these are the ones that I meditated on. After being discharged, I was focused on getting well and resting and could see a general improvement week on week, from being able to walk 50 meters one week without wheezing, to 100 meters the next, to 500 meters the following. I came across notes Yvonne had made from a conversation with the operating cardiologist the day he had operated, and only then did I realize the extent of the incident. Part of the notes she wrote were, his condition is serious. Because of the severity of the blockage and the duration of the heart attack, there is moderate damage to the heart muscle, which means the muscle cells have died and may form scar tissue, which will impact the heart's ability to beat efficiently. 
The scan shows that the heart is enlarged from the trauma and it may be a long road to recovery. The scar tissue can sometimes heal. Within a few days of reading the report, I couldn't even get out of bed. I was feeling sorry for myself. I wallowed in self-pity and depression set in. I would answer messages telling people how severe my condition was, reaffirming my sickness. I wore my sickness as a merit badge rather than wearing my healing as a fulfillment of God's promise. A few days after this, there was an incident with Josh which forced me to admit that I was not living up to the declaration I had made of being there as his father if I continued down this road of self-pity and depression. I had to remind myself to speak life. I took authority and began to renew my mind and meditate on his word. And surprise, surprise, my health improved again. I stopped answering messages of how are you because every time I replied, I found myself reaffirming my sickness. I'm not saying don't deny you're sick, but affirm that you've been healed. There was one person in particular that I avoided in the early stages because every time they left, I could feel self-pity hanging in the air, and I knew it was an easy trap to fall into. I had my first checkup a few days later and prayed, Lord, I want the doctor to remark in a manner that tells me my recovery is going better than expected. His first words after doing the scan was, golly, you've recovered very well from your ordeal. That was the encouragement I needed to pursue healing. I asked him not to tell me what was wrong with me because I didn't want it to hinder my belief. I told him, tell Yvonne if there's anything still serious, just tell me what I should do for now and I will get well. I started studying scripture verses on healing and watching healing videos. Andrew Womack has some great resource on healing. I would watch Healing Journeys Today on YouTube with Julian Hartman and testimony after testimony would build my faith. When I woke up in the morning, I no longer got in touch with the feelings that defined me. I no longer saw myself as having made it through the night. No longer got in touch with, the f with feeling sorry for myself. No longer defined myself by what I couldn't do, which was a record of my past. I began declaring that I had a new heart and a new lease on life. I started speaking all the things I could do and was going to do. I changed the emotional and spiritual state of how I started my day. We put healing scriptures around the house as a reminder and an activation every time I saw the scripture. I would put my hand on my heart and quote the scripture. Instead of living by my emotions and feeling and feelings, which is a record of my past, I started to change the default to what my expectation was of being healed, and my new emotions and feelings began to follow. I was improving weekly, but healing can be fragile. You take three steps forward and then suddenly five back after some progress. Or after some progress, you reach a plateau, and my frustration was being told to adjust to my new normal. What was wrong with my old normal? Why can't I get back to my old normal and even better? Why should I have to settle for what seems less? I would wrestle with this frustration and bring it to the Lord. Lord, my salvation wasn't a wrestle. In fact, it wasn't even a fancy prayer. 
I simply believed as a young boy and I knew I was your child. I just knew. Why is it then when I confess my sin and repent, I know my sin has already been forgiven as your child? I walk away with no guilt and condemnation. Then Lord, why does it seem I need more faith for healing? If being born again and forgiveness of sin is a weightier match is a weightier matter than healing, why is healing so hard? I wrestled with this question for days. I studied a lot of scripture on healing, and a common thread I found in healing scriptures was also the forgiveness of sin. Let's take Psalm 103 verse 3 as an example because that's the one I meditated on. It says he forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. I read through many commentaries. All agreed that forgiveness of sin was for now. And so was healing. But if you don't get healed now, then for sure in the afterlife when all things become new. That seems a fair comment. Because we don't see everyone we pray for being healed. It fits the narrative. It fits my experience where we experience some healings and not others. Some affliction I saw healed and the ones I didn't see healed I learned to live with. Here is the question I wrestled with. Why would God forgive my sin now and heal me later in the afterlife? Why put both forgiveness and healing in the same sentence if one is meant to is meant definitely for here and now on earth before death, and the others are nice to have, but definitely after death. I can create a theology that fits my experience, but that doesn't make my theology correct. Then one morning, sitting and meditating, I understood in a moment. This is my revelation, that healing is just as easy as salvation, and just as easy as forgiveness of sin. Salvation requires faith, as does forgiveness of sin, and they both happen in the spirit realm. In Psalm 103 verse 3, the psalmist puts forgiveness and sin in the same sentence, not because God chooses to forgive sin now and heal later, but I believe because they both happen in the spirit realm. The difference is that when salvation happens in your spirit, you know you are a child of God, because the revelation of your spirit, because of the revelation in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. Healing also happens in the spirit realm, but we see the revelation or the manifestation in our physical body. In between the spirit and the physical body is what the Bible calls our soul, where our mind and emotions reside. It's also where our unbelief resides. So the full message that the spirit receives that I'm healed is not heard in the physical body because of the distortion in the soul. That's why it's so important to renew your mind, take every thought captive and unto the obedience of Christ. Meditate on his word and what it says. Andrew Womack says the reason Christians don't get healed today is because their natural man is more real to them than their spirit man. The revelation, that revelation gave me another layer to build on, and I felt my faith growing before reaching another plateau. I became focused on building my faith, expecting faith to be the breakthrough. Meditating on Hebrews 11, 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hopeful, 
the evidence of things not seen. I started to unpack faith, and my revelation is that hope precedes faith. Without hope, you can't build great faith. What is biblical hope? As we know, it's the joyful anticipation of good. The best example I have of joyful anticipation of good, of what that looks like, is me standing on a beach in Mauritius, waiting in joyful anticipation for Yvonne to walk down the aisle. Knowing that once she comes down the aisle, our lives and future would be changed for the better, for good, forever. The joy, the anticipation. When the music started playing, and then I turned and saw her and I knew. But thinking on that experience reminded me that wasn't the first time I saw her walking down the aisle. Not that we had been married before, but I had imagined that moment many times before. Before we got engaged, I saw her walking down the aisle. After we got engaged, I saw her walking down the aisle. I lived that moment in my imagination many times before it actually happened. And there was my next layer. Just as hope precedes and builds and activates faith, so your imagination precedes and builds and activates hope. I started imagining myself jogging again and running and playing with Josh and hiking and fishing and playing sport. After I had jogged three kilometers on the treadmill end of November, my physical therapist said, there's nothing more I can help you with. I now take Josh for, for jogs in his strollers about three kilometers. If it wasn't for the Christmas lunches in December, I might be jogging further. Not only did I start visualizing myself healthy and active, but I also started imagining my heart beating. I downloaded a normal healthy heartbeat and would listen to the sound of a heartbeat and visualize my heart beating and blood flowing to my heart and pumping and cells being restored. I would declare Isaiah 53, 5 that says, By his stripes I am healed. And I speak life and restoration into my heart and every dead cell come back to life. I don't know why some people are healed instantly and why others have a journey. What I do know is that healing has already been given by the stripes of Jesus, as it says in the word. The cross is not just a cross of salvation, but it stands as a reminder of victory over death, over sin, over sickness, over disease, over every area that the devil has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. It's no longer a striving to get healed, but rather a resting in the Lord and receiving what he has already provided. I know that each person is important to God, and above all, he wants deeply to have relationship and intimacy with us. In Isaiah 38, verse 16, it says, You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction and you put all my sin behind your back. This verse is not implying that God causes sickness to bring us closer to him but that God will use the sickness and affliction to refine and perhaps cause you to seek him deeper. Do you want to be healed or do you want to be made whole is the question I asked myself. I advocate that sickness is a result of living in a fallen world and God will use the situation to bring us closer to him. I've, I've learned to embrace the journey which is sometimes as important as the destination. 
my outlook and perspective on life and the things that I thought were important has changed. I'm learning to prioritize what's truly important and build with silver, gold, and precious stones. I'm not 100% yet, but I know that I'm way ahead of the expected recovery curve and that I'm learning to receive the healing the Lord has already made available to me. At my last checkup with the doctor end of November, he said the scar tissue has reduced significantly in size. We, what, sorry, we, what has reduced in size is more than what is left behind. For scar tissue to reduce, it means that it's turning back to healthy heart muscle. His words were, you are my patient of the year, and my expectation for him is to say, at the next checkup, you now have a new heart. I trust you've been blessed. Wasn't that wonderful, friends? Gerard, we celebrate your healing, and my friend, we pray blessing and uh, continued healing in your life, that you would experience many, many more years with your family. And so we just agree with you on that as a, as a community. And friends, I trust that if you've heard this message today and you're experiencing any physical ailment in your body, that you would have had your faith stirred to allow the Father just to come in and do a miracle in your life right now. And so, Father, we pray right now over every person that is watching this, Holy Spirit, that you would go out on the words of those, te that those testimonies and that you would bring about healing um, in, in people's life right now in the name of Jesus. We just bless everything that's been said this morning. Friends, we love you. Have a beautiful Sunday and we will see you soon.